Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. This is a special episode number three to cover Picard, the new Picard TV series, and the prequel series, the countdown series of three issues that IDW published. Right. So in the same vein as Countdown, uh, the original Countdown, and then Countdown to Darkness, they did a Countdown to Picard. Exactly. And uh, this is February 9th, 2020. I don't think I said that, but whatever. Hmm. Okay, get that out of the way. All right. So this is a countdown to Picard that erases all the other countdowns that, uh, unfortunately... <laughs> it didn't erase everything. It retconned some things. Something. Come on. All the things. So they... All things? The 2011 oh, countdown now is just throw away. You might as well just throw those issues in the garbage. They don't count anymore. Yes, they do. Picard is erasing it. Plus all those it waypoint, didn't erase all of it. waypoint issues that we had with uh, Captain Data. Garbage. <laughs> Thank you, CBS All Access, for pooping on my, my continuity. <sighs> but, uh, but in all wow. serious, these six stories that we're going to cover you know, somewhat briefly, are all quite good. The three issues, and we've watched the first three episodes of the TV show, and yep. uh, they're quite good as well. Uh, you know, I think so. And I was going to say this for the end, but just I want you to say up front, after having been able to think about what I've been seeing and reading, you know, I really think this is different enough, Star Trek, from all the different series we've seen before, and different enough from the JJ-verse stuff we've watched so far, Although there are some things that are JJ-verse still, yes, definitely. But it's different enough from all those things that I think it's. I think this is just the series we need right now in Star Trekville. Which, overall, is kind of in a precarious situation, I think. Right. No, it was good. I like it. Um, I mean, it is 25% different than any other Star Trek. Because <laughs> I guess that's their mandate, <laughs> that they have to be 25% different than the well, uh, anything that came out before Bad Robot took over. Which is good. I mean, you don't want to redo the same right. thing over and over again, but, anyways. So yeah, but yeah, and I think they, I think they wanted to make it different, and I think and they, they succeeded. Yeah, but you can't do the same thing over and over again. Otherwise, what's yeah, the point? exactly. So on the one hand, yeah, well, whatever. Let, let, let's let's continue <laughs> and talk about this. Boy, we could go on some tangents All right, so right now. Just forewarning. We have no insight on the ins and outs of what's going to happen on the show after episode three. Uh, so anything we say is speculation, and I'm not going. We're going to be talking about those first three issues. So if you don't have CBS All Access or you haven't watched those first three episodes, you're probably not listening to us anyways because nobody does. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, we're not going to wait till the end before we might talk about something that happened in the issue. So uh, just yeah. just uh, be forewarned that we're not going to give you any spoiler alerts. This is the spoiler alert, and uh, we're going to go forward. Oh, yeah. And, and we're having some problems with smoothing out some website infrastructure changes we've made. So we're still way behind in posting. So 
by the time we actually get this posted, well, hopefully, uh, all this may be a distant past. <laughs> so may- maybe nobody's going to have to worry about spoilers, but we'll see. Nobody listens to us anyways, Ken. <laughs> which is not true. I guess there are people. There, well, we know there are people. Yeah. It's just... But they haven't listened to us since number. August, since that was the last time we posted anything. Yeah, it's been a while. We really have to get our upload act together. But All right. Okay, so shall we start? Let's do it. You got the, the pleasure of synopsizing issue number one. Indeed. So publish date was November 2019. Writer was Kristen Baer and Mike Johnson. Art by Angel Hernandez. Colors by Juana Lafuente. Letterer Neelia Taki. Editor Chase Marotes. And we've got three covers. Cover A features Picard's head and torso in his Admiral's Starfleet uniform, tapping his comm badge with his right hand. Behind is an appropriately futuristic backdrop that may be Romulus, but that's conjecture on my part. The artwork looks a bit like J.K. Woodward's water painting style, but it's actually by Michael Pangrazio. The uh, Retailer Incentive cover is a photo cover from the TV promotional material and features Picard and his trusty canine companion number one looking over Picard's estate. So I've definitely seen this like almost like poster art around the web. And if there's a photo that has gone with Picard coming up to the series launch, this is the one I've seen the most often. The retailer in set of B cover features what looks like a little mashup of cover A and the R1A photo cover. Picard's head and shoulders is in the foreground, kind of like from the first issue cover. And then there's a generic rural setting behind it. Perhaps Chateau Picard is in the background. Though a different artist did this cover and did cover A, this one too kind of is a little reminiscent of J.K. Woodward's work. And this cover is by Sarah Petrie DeRocher. Earth, 2386. A female Romulan named Laris holds a bunch of grapes in her hands that is still attached to the vine. She comments the fruit is strange, but the soil is good. The male Romulan named Zaban says it was a bad idea to come to Earth. Ever since they arrived, people are recognizing them and staring at them with distrust. Laris says this is the only place they could have come to start over again. She says they owe him. Laris says we owe the man who risked everything for us. In the foreground are two wine crates stamped on the side with the words Chateau Picard. Mars, one year earlier, at Utopia Planitia Shipyards. Jordi LaForge is looking out a window at a large number of space docks. An Andorian officer reports the first wave of ships are ahead of schedule and will be on their way to Romulus by the end of the month. Geordi takes an incoming comm channel from none other than Admiral Jean-Luc Picard. He and his ship, the USS Verity, are in Romulan space making the logistical preparations to evacuate the Romulan planets in the path of the super-duper Nova. Picard says the survival of the Romulan people are in their hands. Jordy reports on the construction progress on the relocation ships. He asks if Picard is itching to get the Enterprise back. Picard says the Enterprise is in good hands and he is quite content with his current ship, the Verity, 
which is a beauty of an Odyssey-class ship of the line. After closing the channel, Picard goes on to record a log entry, which serves to catch up the readers on what has been going on. Number one, the Romulans did not offer the fact that the Super Duper Nova was heading their way. It was Federation science activity that detected it. It took arm twisting to get the Romulans to take any help from the Federation, but eventually they did. Picard has been working on both sides of the neutral zone, trying to plan out logistics for the largest evacuation in Federation history. Geordi is awesome, and if anyone can get the high capacity of ships off the line in time to save the maximum number of Romulans, Geordi can do it. Even with them having evacuated several threatened Romulan worlds, Picard still does not think the Romulans trust the Federation. They probably never will. Picard has a meeting with his most capable first officer, Rafi Maseker, who insists on calling Picard J.L., much to the captain's chagrin. They discuss the next evacuation, Uyat Beta, a Romulan colony on the edge of the blast zone. Over 10,000 people are waiting for a ride. Picard comments the planet was supposedly uninhabited, which just reinforces Romulan paranoia and secrecy. They arrive at Uyut Beta, and Picard frets about how the Romulans will not allow them to scan the planet from orbit, or once they're on the ground. Secrecy is still paramount for the Romulans. They speak to Major Damas Athos, who asks them to beam to his coordinates, only Picard and his first officer. A four-man detail armed with disruptor rifles meet them, and with few words escort them through the secret door to a surprisingly open terrace with views of the entire colony. Major Damas Athos is waiting for them. Athos tells the surprised Picard they are on the edge of the Empire, so they are a tad more lax about their security than many Romulan worlds Picard has likely been to. Governor Shiana joins them with her personal security detail. She tells Picard he can talk to anyone he wants as he makes his plans for the evacuation. They start right away, and Picard is led off to a vineyard field, where he excitedly speaks to a fellow grower of grapes. The conversation stops when Picard sees humanoid aliens in simple clothes harvesting the grapes. It turns out there is a native population on this world, in the millions, and they appear to be sentient. The Romulan farmer is unconcerned about their species coming to an end. He calls them primitives. Picard tells the Major Domus they have capacity for 10,000, not 5 million. Athos says only the Romulans need to be evacuated. Picard says the Federation mission is to save all threatened Satian life, not just the Romulans. The Major Domus says Picard is making a grave mistake if this complication delays or threatens the life of even one Romulan colonist. Picard and Raffi are taken back to the governor, where he has pretty much the same conversation, except that the governor throws Picard in prison. Very helpful. In a darkened stone dungeon, Picard stews over his predicament. He trusted the redemption of an old enemy, and in his own abilities to pull this evacuation off. Despite the righteousness of his cause, he is powerless and imprisoned on a doomed world. And the clock is ticking. Tick-tock. 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 To be continued. 
I like how you added the TikToks in there. Well, I had to because I was reading this and I was thinking, hey, Watchmen, a TV show. I still haven't seen that. Well, it's really good. I mean, I'm surprised. At first few episodes, it was like, eh, and then I started getting into it more, and the story was... Anyway, it's really good, and there is a part where the bad guys do a, you know, uh, a TikTok, right. TikTok, yeah, a TikTok kind of thing. Cool. So, anyway, I thought I thought I'd throw it in. All right, so can we talk about uh, what ticked me off on this issue? <laughs> sure, go for it. I even texted you when I when I was I read this before you. I was just like throwing it away, you know, because in the trailer we saw Picard. They talked about the Romulans and the supernova and all that, which all came from sure. the 2011 Star Trek movie. Is 2009, it two, yes. 2009, sorry. I think. Yeah, it was Star yeah. Trek 11, and it was 2009. I don't know right. why I keep getting those mixed up. Anyways, <clears throat> uh, and then in the countdown to to uh, to the to the movie, uh, right. you know, obviously that dealt with the jellyfish being built and all that stuff. So. Yep, yep. <clears throat> Which implied that when the supernova happens, it happens fast, and everybody's dead. <laughs> you know. Well, which it imply it does imply that, but this makes more sense that it would slowly be coming across well, the, the universe. Well, slowly. I mean, it's it's uh, this stupid this stupid super duper nova has to be traveling at at warp speed. Sure. I mean, faster than light. It's going to multiple star systems. So. I don't think there's anything fast about it. However, there's still vast distances involved, so it's going to take some time. Right. So this makes more sense. So regardless, this seemed a little bit more laid back, and it could have happened you know, after Romulus was destroyed and maybe even after Nero was sent in the back. No, that couldn't be possible because they stopped no. it. So, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> obviously they this, Would they stop? this could not fit in the same continuity as Star Trek countdown right because we read this before we saw the show yeah the, and uh right. i was like okay well they're definitely you know here he implies that somebody's in, uh, in charge of the enterprise at the time i thought it was data because that's who was captain in the countdown issues uh but later when we watch the show we'll find out that's not the case um yeah 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 i agree so so as per usual jj and company <clears throat> don't really think anybody remembers anything. Uh, or they don't care. Either one. So they did change a lot of things. E- e- even though they're keeping a lot of things from the 2009 movie and, and what J.J. Verse put in place, the whole idea of Romulus being destroyed and, and by the super-duper ridiculously, scientifically ridiculous supernova. But yes, there are lots of details that they're just, eh, we'll keep this, we'll throw this out, we'll keep this, throw that out. Right. Blah, you know. So I, I you know, I, I agree. It's not, it's not perfect. And if you didn't read the countdown books and know that Picard's supposed to be an ambassador, you know, Data's supposed to be a uh-huh. captain of the Enterprise, yes. you would be fine with the TV show and yeah. even this issue because you didn't read the comics, you don't know of all that stuff. You, maybe you didn't play Star Trek Online, which is a continuation of that. So you going into just from from Nemesis to. 2009 movie to this, you're going to be like, oh yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I have no retcons in my head, but us readers <laughs> and players of the game yeah. and things like that, we're like, it doesn't fit. Well, the game is not canon. Sure, sure. 
I would hope that the the comic books were because this was supposed to be the thing that filled in a lot of gaps that you couldn't fit into a movie. I mean, that was the there was a purpose of the, it. I mean, the, the, the original the, the countdown? comic book, yeah, the original countdown. Right. The 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 producers of the comic book were working with the producers of the movie. This was supposed to be the story. Yeah, you're right. I mean, mo- at most people that watch this stuff wouldn't know the difference. Right. And after I read this issue, I did go and read all of the countdown books because I was just like, yeah. maybe I don't remember it all. So I went back and reread it before issue two and three came out. So yeah. I, I have it all in my head and it just does not match. It's like getting that square into a round hole. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Yep. Kept me up at night. Oh, kept you up. Is you got to relax. You got to relax, man. So, once all that aside, what do you think of the the story so far? You like it? This issue. Um, but this issue. You know, the issue is fine. We're being introduced to Picard and exactly where he is in in the narrative, and we're meeting his new first officer, or maybe not that new, um, but new to us. New to us, anyway. Right. Exactly. We're catching up on what ship he's on, and what a fine ship. Love that design. And, you know, it, it's setting the stage. So Yeah, so how does that look different than the Sovereign class? I mean, it looks almost exactly like the Sovereign class, except maybe has some oh my God. black details in it. I mean, it's a little oh. different. But oh, for come the most on. Part, it it's a lot different. Eh. Okay, okay. so it's, this, it's the same because there's a, a quote, saucer section which is elongated right and it's got two nacelles and it's got an engineering section Mm -hmm. and there's no neck connecting the uh, the secondary hull and and the and and the saucer quote saucer section well but there's tons of differences tons of differences all right so now now, i I will say i will say it looks pretty much the same no i just in the artwork but okay so i i will say that the difference the difference between d and e was much bigger than the difference between E and F from a general shape standpoint. Completely agreed. However, this is a bigger ship. This is got a lot of really interesting features to it. The nacelles are are different. Some of the pylons, I, I guess the nacelle pylons are, are similar. But yeah, there, there's all kinds of differences. Uh, I mean, exactly, I mean... It's a lot more complicated how the uh, secondary hull is attached to the um, primary hull. It's got this big ship up its butt. Ship up its butt. Exactly the uh, Aquarius, which is very cool. I sent you a, I sent, I texted uh, I you a photo of it. Okay, so, well, okay. So, there's so they like haven't a captain's yacht in the butt of the ship. It's not a yacht. It's it's like a small defiant. Yeah, if you look at that picture I sent you. Now, now <clears throat> mind you in the comics, the ship's not there. Do you you just see the right, opening So for in it. the in the picture on page where is uh let's see. on the PDF it's on or not PDF, uh, CBR whatever it is. The comicsology page, page 12. Yeah. There's like a little like indention at the at the end of the ship. So you're saying that there's a little the ship butt. that would fit right in there? Yeah, normally where you would see a shuttle bay? The, the shuttle bay. Uh-huh. Right. Which which is moved up saucer? into the saucer section. Okay. There is like almost like a, a, a horseshoe shaped opening. Right. I see it. And that is where the Aquarius goes in. Oh, okay. And what's cool about this is um, I, I don't have huge amounts of detail about the Aquarius. 
I just know that it's there. And they have a lot of auxiliary ships on the F. But between the fact that the primary hull separates from the secondary hull, and you've got two ships, and then you've got the Aquarius, which is basically a scaled-down Defiant, so this thing has teeth to it, you can, if you're forced to, uh, do a three-vector attack if you're, you know, if, if you're defending yourself, uh, or you really need some, some good offensive capabilities. You almost have the same kind of capabilities as the Prometheus ship, which would split into three parts, and you'd have three ships instead of one in a fight. So you almost got the same kind of thing with the Odyssey class. But the Odyssey class is bigger (laughs) than the Prometheus, and it's armed to the teeth. So again, it's a Borg fighting ship. So anyway, it's a really cool ship. I'm digging it. And the idea that it can hold 10,000 people is pretty impressive. Yeah, so if you actually look up this ship, you know, online and stuff, uh, I looked it up. And they've got a little synopsis of things about it. So overall length, 1,028 meters. Its mass is 4 million, over 4 million, almost 5 million metric tons. Decks 32, 30 habitable decks. And the biggest thing is crew complement is 2,500 people. So that's double what uh, Enterprise D could hold, right? Or typically held. Right. Right? It was like 1,200 or something. And then... Life support capacity, 10,000. And auxiliary craft, 26. It's got 26 auxiliary crafts. So in addition to the the Aquarius, it's got another 25 various forms of shuttles or whatever. So this is a big ship, a big step up. Anyway, it's pretty cool. But 10,000. Now, obviously, they put that particular metric in there because they needed it for the Picard story. So there's 10,000 Romulans on this colony world, and they say they have the capacity to take 10,000 people. Right. So they, it kind, I think they kind of backed into that. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that when they created the Odyssey ship, uh, which, by the way, came from a context or contest with Star Trek Online, so a player of Star Trek Online designed this ship. In a contest, it became the, the Enterprise F for their continuity, and at least in the comics, the ship has been brought forward into the con- at least the comic continuity. I really, I really hope eventually by the end of season one we get to see one of these ships for real in the in the series. Oh yeah, I hope so too. That would be great. Okay, mm-hmm. sorry for. Uh... So you like the ship? I think I like it. <laughs> I like it. Now, so, yes. at this point in the story, is the Enterprise F already in existence, or do we still have the Enterprise E? I, I don't know. I, I assume the E is still out there, but they never they never say. They never say, and in these three issues, we never see it. So I, I, right. I was wondering if uh, maybe it was still it was still the ship. Yeah, I mean, otherwise the E had a very short uh, lifespan compared to the other ones. Sure, sure. And, uh, yeah. Well, you know, did they actually, in Geordi and Picard's conversation, did they actually say that the Enterprise, did they actually say Enterprise F? Or they just, they just said, said Enterprise? Enterprise. 
Yeah, okay. just Enterprise, and they didn't so we, mention who the so we, was. Exactly. So we don't know for sure if it's the E or F. Right. You know, who knows? We don't know. I, I'm sure there's probably novels and things we'll, that covered all this stuff. Yeah. Because there's all there's plenty of novels and things out there that are talking about the post-Nemesis. Uh, Which is uh, doesn't work anymore, frame. though. I mean... Well, well, that's a pretty blanket statement to make. I mean, why didn't it? Well, I mean, if they followed the the countdown continuity, then... Well, they didn't. Did they not? Well, okay, so... Some of the post-Nemesis stuff I've read uh, what, kind of fed, fell in well, line the, with uh, the... the... Well, the, okay, so, so the original countdown continuity... There was a big gap of time between what happened with Ambassador Picard and Captain Data, all that kind of stuff, and Nemesis. Right. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that could have happened in that time frame, which is the time frame where, you know, uh, Riker's an admiral, and he's off on the Titan, and, you know, you know, there, there's a big chunk of time there that a lot of those novels could have fit in nicely. Where Picard no and uh, Crusher get together. Oh, right, yep, in the novels. Um, they never say anything about that so far in the TV show, but... Yeah, they have not yeah. mentioned it yet. Exactly. So, you know, obviously there's a lot of things that happened to Picard, you know, between Nemesis and uh, even when this countdown happens with uh, Raffi and stuff. Right, yep. Uh, it's... It's un- uncharted territory, and you're and you're just, you know, I don't know. I just don't like that. It doesn't quite fit in with all the other mo- media that we've had. So, yeah, I- I'm gonna have problems with it, but I, I can still enjoy the story. <laughs> Anything that does not toe the line of continuity, Donovan, you will have a problem with. So, speaking of continuity, what do you think of these uniforms? They don't match what we've seen before in any of the the post Nemesis stuff. I kind of like them. I think they're a little busy, but I like them. I agree with you when sure, you said that on the on the artwork here. When you, when we first talked about it offline, you were uh, when we got these issues, you said you thought they were busy. And then when we saw it in the actual episode, I think it was in episode three when we had the flashback and and Rafi and Picard are in these uniforms. That's when I started liking them. I was like, oh, yeah. okay, they on in person on a person. They actually start looking good, and it looks like a a continuation of the the later season uh, next generation's right. uniforms. Right. Almost a mixture yeah. of Enterprise, like Scott Bakula. Enterprise. Outfit. Yeah, because he had those weird striped things on the shoulder, as opposed oh, to being a solid. Okay, ball. gotcha. Gotcha. Like, uh, okay. like the uh, next generation always had a solid right. solid color across the shoulders. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, yeah, I like it. I, I like it better now that I've seen it on the actors than I did in these three issues, I think. Yeah, and I think it's almost like a new car. Sometimes if you change things a bit from the old car, it takes a little time to get used to it, right. the, the, the new design. Sure. I, I, I like them. I like them. I, I was just wondering how close they were, though, to Star Trek Online. I, I don't play Star Trek Online. I think I got onto it once and logged in and just... Didn't have the time to deal with it. Right. But uh, it's it's very cool. And I, I wondered how close these were to Star Trek Online. And so I did a little search, and it's like, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of close. They're all black, right? right? 
uh, the majority of the things black, and they really the only colors you get are on the shoulders. You know that Star Trek's yeah. been the, kind of that way for a next, while. Since next gen, yeah. <laughs> exactly, but well, next gen. Yeah, I mean, next gen had a little more color. At least it was further down. But yeah, and then they went with the gray stuff in the, some of the movies. Anyway, so it turns out the Star Trek Online has a lot of different designs. Right. I was surprised how many different designs there are. So it's kind of hard to say, oh, this is the Star Trek Online version. Right. But I, I, I did see one photo that was associated with this particular, quote, season. So they, they have a storyline, I guess, that goes on that everybody plays in. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but I, I really like the Star Trek Online uniform. And they used it in one of the comic book ones. Uh, it was Waypoint, yeah. With Data. Right. Yeah, it was a Waypoint. There you go. That, I remember that from that comic. This photo I'm looking at is the same thing. And, you know, it's kind of reminiscent of what they're using in Picard, but but not quite the same. Right. So. Anyway. Yeah, no, I, I like yeah. it. I, um, I mean, it has the DNA of Star Trek uniform, so... What else you have on this? We haven't actually talked about the story at all. Uh, no, we've not. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of. We, we've talked about it. As a matter of fact, uh, some of the things we're talking about, I'm, I'm jumping to the notes I have from the, uh, from the episode, like especially the uniforms. Sure. Um, I'm kind of wondering why the Romulans so depended on Federation for the evacuation. They got their own ships, right? Now, the reality is, uh, is they've got millions of people. So even the Empire's fleet of ships is probably not going to be enough. But they're talking about it in this comic, like they're the only ones that can do it, uh, the Federation and Star and Starfleet. Right. And they're not even acknowledging the fact that the Romulans have their own fleet of ships. So it's kind of hard to take, it, quite frankly. It kind of annoys me. But... I mean, I guess they're justifying it by just saying there's so many people that even the Romulan fleet can't handle an evacuation that large, so they need they they need the Federation. Right. Well, and I mean, if if you think that maybe Romulus and Remus are already gone, you would think that a, maybe a mass majority of their fleet was there, right? And oh, wait a minute, I don't think they're gone yet. Are they not? Okay. I don't think it reached Romulus and Remus. Oh, okay. Yet. Well, I was thinking, well, maybe you know. It started in in the heart of the of the Romulan Empire, and that's why well, they're at a disadvantage. I, I don't know. I'm just trying to make it fit in my head. Well, yeah. And another thing is, they actually said, and we'll get to this in the in the TV episodes when Picard was being interviewed in the first episode. The interviewer actually said it was the Romulan star that went nova. Now I don't remember that ever be in the case in the 2009 movie or anything else. Now, quite frankly, that would make more sense than a mysterious supernova that's able to travel between star systems. That would make more sense, but that's a retcon. Right. Well, in the countdown issues, they did say that the the supernova had some sort of... There was some special mining thing that was inside these first couple of planets that it took, which which gave it more fuel, and then it's hitting oh, all the other me. stars that are then causing them to go supernova. So, oh, is that, yeah, was I that the justification it was like a for it? reaction type thing, that, that this one supernova 
that had all this special stuff that made it a super supernova would then spread out and then hit all these other stars, I don't rem- which caused... I don't remember that from Countdown at all. Yeah, because it's the same stuff that Nero is a... a, a, a you know, that was his job, was to mine this certain type of mineral, and they, they find they find it at this star that was the first one to go supernova that, uh, that uh, is what caused... Wow. It. I do not remember that at all. Yeah. At least they made an attempt of trying to explain this ridiculous scientific event right yeah okay okay fine so anyways yeah i agree with you that uh, the romulans should be able to take care of themselves but uh, i don't know i mean obviously they're trying to make a, a comparison to you know the middle east now and people trying to you know seek shelter in other countries and things like that mm. and, and mm. uh you know need help and right will the other countries accept them with open arms or shut them and push them back to danger. So obviously that's the... Will you, yeah, will you be Germany that will actually try to take in as many people as you can or will you be the UK that won't do shit and uh, go ahead and and actually break from the uh, European Union over it? There you go. Which will you be? Right. So, so that's, that's, that's really what, what the Picard series is under the uh, covers. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people were complaining about that, you know, yeah. saying that, uh, you know, shouldn't put those kind of politics into a show, especially which a Star Trek show, which is... That's, Star Trek's always been that. Yeah, and if you remember Enterprise after 9-11, I mean, the, the later seasons of Enterprise all dealt with terrorist attacks on Earth, yeah. which, you know... Obviously, it was because, you know, the terrorist attacks on the United States was fresh on everybody's mind. And, you know, it, and it brought, you know, not only the Earth, but the Andorians and all these other warring factions together against the, the Zindi and everybody, uh, which, sure. you know, was a good message. So I don't know why, where they're coming across saying Star Trek has never been all that political and, uh, you know, why, why are you bringing it up here in Picard? So. I don't know. Well, yeah. I've only seen the first three issues, so I don't know. But maybe so far, I like yeah, it. Yeah, and you can point to you can point to examples all over Star Trek. In Taz, there was an episode where we saw the Mugatu, a, a private little war. I think of the way that was the title of that episode. And in it, basically, <laughs> it's the it's the the Klingons are the Russians. Things. They're supplying guns to right. one the Hill people or whatever. And then now the Federation and Kirk is providing the the Valley people or whatever yeah. uh, guns and trying to maintain balance between the two sides, which is at least the thought behind <laughs> what was going on in Vietnam uh, with the two different groups. They were being fed weapons from, from the U.S. And the, and the Russians. And oh boy, what fun. And uh, so there you go. There's a parallel there. I always thought Deep Space Nine that basically the Bajorans were Palestinians and that the Cardassians were, <laughs> quite frankly, the uh, the Israelis. Hmm. So um, I numerous examples. Right. So. So, oh, like I said, I, I don't see where people are com- why people are complaining, but. They shouldn't be. Right. But unfortunately, there is an air going on right now 
in the country where if you try to say anything against a certain way of thinking, it will it will draw bitter, vicious attacks. Right. So, there you go. Anyway, moving on. I was interested meeting Raffi. Yep. So, uh, she's definitely sassy. I do like her. I like her in the show, too. Yeah, yeah. Insisting upon calling Picard JL, <laughs> which annoys him. <laughs> so it's kind of but you know it's kind it's of funny. kind of payback because do you think Riker really liked being called number one? And then as soon as somebody else become you know was even acting captain or acting commander, then uh, Picard started calling that person number one. And I was just like, do they like that? You know, so. Well, but isn't that kind of tradition? Well, I don't think rough. I don't th- I don't think Picard Pike. made that up. Well, Pike's but... the only one that's ever done it before. Well, pfft, of the captains we've seen, sure, sure. That, I mean, uh, I think I think that, I'm I don't know. I'm not in the Navy, never been. But you know, they may actually say that today. Oh, uh, okay. You don't know. I mean, uh, Roddenberry was in the Navy, and he modeled Starfleet after his naval experiences, the the U.S. Navy. In a lot of ways, who knows? Maybe that's maybe they do that today. I don't know, or some people. Well, anyways, I thought I, when I was reading this, I was like, "Oh, that's kind of funny that she gave him a nickname after he gives." He's always giving, yeah, people nicknames. Sure, you know, yeah, and, and at least she isn't calling him Baldy. So, there you go. <laughs> yeah, he's he's gone ahead and shaved the the donut off. He's he's uh, completely bald now in these issues. Yes, exactly. That's all I have to say about this one. Personally. Um. My thing is, is that uh, the Romulan haircut, you know, the Romulans, like Vulcans, usually have the Mo Howard haircut, uh, where here it seems like they have, like, really high temples, and then it comes down to a V over their uh, their foreheads, which looked, especially on the woman with the long hair, looked, mm-hmm. looked a little odd, I thought. You know what they reminded me of, especially the... Uh... With that second in command, not the governor, but the but the uh, the other guy, yeah, that was first talking to Picard and Raffi, right? Um, it reminded me of Buck Rogers' TV show, where the Eagle guy, his sidekick Eagle guy, had the same kind of haircut, but of course it was all white. Mm. Uh, uh, I forgot the character's name, but his sidekick was uh, had kind of a haircut like I this. don't remember. And he was Eagle supposed guy. to be Eagle guy. Huh. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and of course, these guys are supposed to be avian, right? I mean, look at the, or have a lot of avian themes. Right. Uh, th- their symbol is, is, is some kind of a raptor, some kind of bird. Yeah, with Romulus um, and Remus in its talons. There you go. Exactly. So, you know, maybe that's what they're trying to do. Make it look a little bit like some interpretations of what a bird looks like. Right. Yeah, maybe. And hairstyle. Right. I can see it. Yep. It's just that I don't remember the Romulans ever having that particular hairstyle. And, and uh, I don't I don't think I do either. And in mm. and in Picard they don't have that hairstyle. Or at least it's not this severe. Maybe on a person right. it looks different than in artwork, but Yeah. Um But but maybe it's just fashion. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then um I really liked the storyline as far as you know, the Romulans are like, well, why would we save these people? They're not Romulans. You know, I don't know why, but I, for whatever reason, I resonated to that, that, you know, of course, Picard would be like, uh, you know, indignant about that and how nonchalant the Romulans are about, uh, you know, that, that these people aren't worth saving. Uh, right. I mean, uh, obviously, 
they're the bad guys. But for whatever reason, I was like, oh, well, I, you know, if you're raised that way, if, if they were raised that way, then, you know, I don't, I'm not agreeing with what they're saying, but I could see how a society could grow up and, and then the woman, you know, the governor not thinking anything of it, you know. If you're raised evil, you're going to be thinking evil, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, think there's nothing about nothing wrong about right. it. Right. I just thought, well, yeah. you know, in a Romulan society that maybe was raised like this, then I could see how – I could kind of see her point of view, especially in this first issue. The second issue, it kind of goes a different way about how, you know, she doesn't – she literally doesn't see anything wrong with it, you know? Whereas in the next issue, we'll see that, uh, you know, she really is evil, not just – not just ignorant. She really is. She really is evil here in the next issue. Oh, yeah. She gets worse as, as the issues go on. Right. And then she really, really chaffs my hide in the third issue. But we'll get to that. Hopefully. All right. You ready to keep going? Yep. All right. So I will do the synopsis for the third one. Or I'm sorry, the second one. The writing, art, colors, letters, edits, all the same as the last issue. This one has three covers, maybe, but uh, only two that I can find, so uh, we'll just go over those. All right, so the first cover shows uh, Picard kind of setting in maybe maybe a jail cell in profile, uh, just kind of sitting in the dark uh, in profile. And uh, that is by Sarah Petra Durscher. And then the second cover is a photo cover, and it just shows... Picard walking towards us, the reader, and kind of looking to his right offside. Maybe looking for his little dog, number one. Uh, who knows what he's looking at. All right, so the uh, issue starts with the uh, Romulan farmers that we met in the previous issue, uh, Zaban and Laris, and they're discussing at the dinner table privately uh, that uh, is it time to, to, to put something into effect. We don't know what it is. And uh, they ask if they're ready to risk everything for this human. And they agree that the stakes are too high and uh, that they're going to do it for so many others. Meanwhile, Picard is now having dinner with the governor, uh, the woman governor. But maybe not exactly dinner because he's not eating uh, because, uh, you know, he's, he's a captive along with um, Commander Musker. Uh, so he says he refuses to eat. Uh, while she's imprisoned elsewhere and that the Romulans are willing to allow all the natives to die on the planet. Uh, the dinner is cut short with a sudden explosion. Uh, the governor assumes that this is the Federation attacking to retrieve its crew. But it turns out to actually be the native population uprising against their Romulan oppressors. Picard ends up traveling with a group of these natives throughout the Romulan base, where they eventually find and free Musker from her cell. The natives guide the two humans to a nearby cave system where they find Zaban and Laris waiting for them. The two Romulans reveal that they're actually Tal Shiar and that they're there to oversee the government in secret. Meanwhile, on the USS Verity, uh, which is in orbit, the Romulan governor contacts the ship and reports that Picard and Musker were killed in a native attack. She requests immediate evacuation of the Romulans to the ship immediately. Lieutenant Newton agrees and he orders them to be beamed up to the ship. And they also he also asks for scanning for any human life signs, just in case they're still alive. Uh, all the while, the Romulans are seeming to 
plot something nefarious against the good-natured Federation saviors. Meanwhile in the cave, Zavan and Laris fully explain their roles and the next steps. They were only posing as winemakers so that they could watch unknowingly from afar. They then tell Picard that the governor plans to take over the Verity. The two Romulans state that they're now in love and that if they went back to the Tau Shiar, they would be uh, executed for having emotions. And they want to help Picard free the natives and despite what the Romulan Empire has ordered them to do. Meanwhile, on the Verity, the governor has beamed over and she's being shown her quarters when suddenly a red alert happens and Newton is informed that there is a command override in progress. The governor says, about time. With the Federation locked out, the governor starts to make her own plans for the glory of the Romulan Empire. To be continued. Hmm. Okay, so Rebellion, they get free, and they find Laris and Zaban right. are, are allies. Yep. Or so they, they appear to be. And of course, you'll recognize them from issue number one. So those are the first two people we saw in issue number one that were coming to Chateau Picard. I definitely didn't know who they were in the first issue, and of course we weren't supposed to. Right. But now we know who they are. That's right. I forgot there was a little flash forward in the first issue. <laughs> right. So former Tal Shiar, Handy, or actually... Not well, former. Current. At this time, they're current. Yeah. They're current, yeah. Uh, but they were former at the beginning of the first issue. Right. So, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Right. I like the uh, being naive evil in the first issue for the governor. You know, that that's how she was mm-hmm. coming across. Right. But here, I mean, she comes across as mustache twirling evil, especially when it shows that she already killed all of the, the natives. And then she contacts Lieutenant Newton and is like, hey, help us, we're about to get killed. Uh, when in reality, she'd already killed them all in there. She's just hatching some evil plan. Well, okay, so she didn't kill them all. She killed them like all that was part of, of the, uh, the attack force. Right? Exactly. When she contacts right, right. him, she's like, yeah. oh, they're overrunning the castle. We need to get beamed up right away. And then yeah. then it comes to a wide <laughs> shot after the communications close, and you just see the, the whole rebels all dead on the floor. And she's like, yes. my evil plan is working. That's how she sounds, <laughs> by the way. Exactly. She sounds just like that. Although it's hard to tell with a comic book. But yes, yes, she turns out to be quite a poopy person, as we'll see in the next issue, too. Right. So we know she's lying. So definitely Picard is trusting these two very fast, which... But they're in love, Ken. That's, that's, that was the trump card. As soon as they said, we've fallen in love with each other, he's like, I can't say no to love. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but they're tell she are. I know. <laughs> I mean... Their job is to lie. Exactly. So, anyway, uh, you know, Picard's going with his heart more than his head at this point, but that's fine. Things work out okay in the end, spoiler alert, but still. So when this issue came out, the series had not yet started, so I had seen the commercials, and I knew who Musker was from the commercials, and she obviously Mm had animosity towards Picard. When she's she's captured and stuff, before they free her, I'm thinking... Oh, something must happen to her here, and that's why she hates Picard in the show, right? Uh-huh. So then, when they free her, and then they're going to the cave, and she's all smiles, and 
oh, look at the waterfalls here in the caves. Like, you know, and I'm like... Upside down waterfall. And I'm like, boy, she is not the same character that's in the commercial. wonder what turns her against Picard. So, as of this issue, we do not know that yet. We do not. But we find out later in the series. Yeah. Was, it, was, was that episode two? It was episode three, I don't know. actually. But yeah, that, that, was my, okay. that was my beef, is that I, I was really wanting it to be part of this story, especially when she was so chummy with him at the beginning of these issues, that I was like, oh, that must be what the countdown's for. It's going to explain okay, why she but, hates him so much, but it doesn't. Yeah, but, but yeah, and there was a lot of time that 14 years passed. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, yeah, right, but I mean, but this is, I, I'm just telling you what my speculation was when I was reading the book. Sure. Sure. I'm not holding okay. it against the book. I'm just saying it went a different direction than I thought. Sure, sure. Exactly. All right. I wanted to just clarify something that I said before. I called the auxiliary ship the Aquarius. Butt ship? Isn't that what the you butt called ship? It? Exactly. The suppository. And the Aquarius is the ship that is with the Enterprise F. So the, 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 the name of the one, if they had one, if the Verity had one, it probably would not be called the Aquarius. Although, apparently, the it's an Aquarius-class ship. So just just in case anybody's reading about this stuff and says, Oh, you called it the Aquarius. And the, you know, that, that's the one in the Enterprise F. So I just want to clarify that. Okay. Um, also, another thing about the Verity is, as you're seeing the interiors of it, they seem to have a lot of staircases. Really big, grand staircases. So um, on the ship, oh yeah, 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 on the ship, right? I mean, especially look at it towards the end, uh, and even if you look at the first time when you see uh, Picard on the on the bridge, the bridge has a big staircase, and then towards the end of this issue, you see when they le- move from the transporter room, uh, you know, uh, the, the the governor and and her entourage right. to get to a, a computer terminal or something. I mean, that's a that's like a big <laughs> staircase. I mean, it looks like a big staircase, like you'd have in a convention center or a mall or something. I don't know. Right. It just uh, it's just interesting that the uh, apparently the interior of the ship is so vast that I mean, there's a lot of open. It's an open concept ship. Right. So, but you know what? You hit on an interesting motif that happens throughout these issues is that there is tons of stairs everywhere. Not only yeah. in the ship, but there's so many shots inside the Romulan castle or whatever of oh, right. them descending yeah, staircases. True. When they go to the uh, the caves, it just shows them descending staircases. There's there is stairs and steps in all three issues. So I wonder if it was some sort yeah. of interesting uh, intentional uh, maybe maybe that you're descending into a new continuity and forget everything you know before. Mm-hmm. Wow. Donovan, you go for it, boy. I don't know. That's great. It's just weird that there is a lot of stairs in these issues. There is. There is. Now, in a terrestrial place, especially a big palace, you might expect that. Um, right, but why set up so many scenes there? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm just comparing it to a space. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why you would have the, uh, the transporter room on a dais, uh, uh, you know, a platform like that, and then you have to descend down. Seems weird. Right. So really, I you know this I didn't have that many notes about this issue. Nice. I mean, asked them all the first time. 
mean, this was just setting up the resolution or the conflict. Uh, right. Uh, freeing Picard and, and Raffi, getting them to where they need to be and make the revelations they need to, and then, you know, getting the governor onto the Enterprise. So, uh, or no, I'm sorry, Verity. Right. Humanizing. I, I the, knew I was going to do that. Too, right. I mean, yeah. that, that was also a big part of this is that, oh, they're not mindless natives. They are. No. You know, they're, they know what's going on. Even if they don't speak the language, they know that, you know, that the Romulans are assigning them death sentences. Exactly. Okay, should we move on to number three? Let's do it. Okay, great. So this one, published date January 2019. Uh, again, Christian Bayer and Mike Johnson are the writers. I think everybody's exactly the same, so I'm not going to say it again. Two covers this time. Cover A features Picard in his admiral's uniform looking stoic. And he is flanked by Governor Shiana on the left side of the cover and then Commander uh, Raffi on the right, and then the Romulan Empire's warbird symbol is behind and at the top of the cover and kind of centered. The cover, again, is by Sarah Petrie DeRocher. The retailer incentive cover is simply a photo from the TV series showing Picard smiling in a very cool-looking jacket. I wouldn't mind owning that jacket, quite frankly. And uh, he's by a window, and it kind of looks like it's likely at Chateau Picard, but you don't know for sure. And uh, there you go, uh, a photo cover. Picard is thinking about how amazing his life has been so far, his youthful quest for adventure, ultimately leading to Borg assimilation, living a second life complete with flute playing, brutal Kardashian torture, and interactions with a Borg queen. Hmm. These experiences have all taught him that nothing is truly as final as they seem. On the colony world of Yayat Beta, Picard and Raffi are marched into a government building, manacled by Zaban, who appears to have been a double agent as he is turning them into the Romulan security force. It is, of course, a ruse, and the two Romulan security stooges are shot by Zaban. They get to work using the Romulan communications equipment to hail the Verity. When they do so, they find that Governor Shiana and her people have partially taken over the Verity. The Governor has locked out the crew from ship control, but stubborn security subroutines are withholding complete control from her. She tries to force Picard to give her the final codes required. Picard refuses and says he is confident his crew will take back control momentarily. And as per Picard's prediction, the governor and her people are transported to the ship's brig by Lieutenant Mercia, who cuts into the channel with the status update for Picard. Picard and Raffi beam back to the Verity, with Zaban and Laris. Lieutenant Newton is back on his feet and welcomes them. Picard sees the unrepentant Governor Shiana in the brig. She tells Picard to prepare for retaliation from the Empire since she already informed them of Picard's treachery. Picard's treachery? (laughs) The noive. She accuses Picard and the Federation of using the evacuation as a deceitful way of depopulating Romulan worlds and making them ripe for the taking. 
The card simply states that if the Federation wanted to harm the Empire, they would just wait for the Nova to cripple the Empire and pick over the carcass. Picard is called to the bridge and deal with the Romulan ship decloaking right in front of the Verity. Picard reaches the bridge and opens a channel. Picard asks for the ship to identify itself. The response tells Picard his mission is over. He has failed. They say they do not answer to the Emperor when Picard says the situation is complex on the planet and they need to inform the Senate. Raffi says they are not military, they are Tal Shiar. The voice on the comms channel says the two Romulans on the ship just entered codes that completed the process of taking over the Verity from Picard. They will set the ship to self-destruct and beam over their two agents. Thank you very much. Picard turns to Zaban, whose real name is apparently Noctis. Noctis confirms he has sole control over the ship's functions. Laris, whose real name is Avem, admonishes Zaban. Laris says she told Zaban if he came to this decision, she would not go along with it. She tells him she will not leave the Verity. Shaban asks her to let him finish. Suddenly, two Romulan D-Derex-class warships decloak behind the Tal Shiar ship. The new Romulans hail the Verity, and after Picard smiles and talks to them, it's obvious the situation has turned into a trap for the Tal Shiar. The military does answer to the Senate, even if the Tal Shiar say they do not. They are now aware of the ill-advised actions of the Tal Shiar. The military tells the Tal Shiar to skedaddle, but the Tal Shiar voicer persists in telling Agent Noctis to complete their mission and prepare to beam over. Noctis slash Zaman says he is not finished and proceeds to say the whole super-duper Nova thing is such a stupid and hard-to-believe idea that he did not believe it at first. He thought it had to be a Federation deceit, so he was duty-bound to fight against the Federation's evacuation efforts. But now his eyes have been opened by Laris's words and Picard's actions. He refuses to destroy the Verity and sabotage the evacuation that he now sees as necessary because his first duty is to protect Romulan citizens. Further, he divulges the Verity as a first of many Starfleet evacuation vessels that the Tal Shiar plan to destroy. He can no longer go along with that. He turns control over the ship back to Picard. Later, an Admiral's Log entry wraps things up nicely, saying, A. The Tal Shiar ship cloaked and withdrew. B. Governor Shiana was taken into custody by Commander Vinix. C. Resettlement ships are on their way to the colony and have the capacity to relocate all the people of that world. Raffi warns J.L. that the Tal Shiar are never going to stop. Picard acknowledges that, but says they no longer have the advantage of surprise. They say goodbye to Laris and Zaban, when the two spies make it clear they must go into hiding since they betrayed the Tal Shiar, Picard offers for them to continue winemaking at Chateau Picard. 
to be continued in the Star Trek Picard TV series, securely placed behind a paywall. <laughs> they don't say that at the end. They should. Yeah, so <laughs> I, this issue was actually delayed, so I read this after the first episode had already been released. So, um, their, their little premiering January 23rd is a little moot because uh, it came out after the third, 23rd. Exactly. So is that common? For delays? Yeah. Delays like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. In, in comics being released. Yeah, okay. it happens. Okay. But this one, at least this one was only delayed like a week, where a lot of times, you know, they can be delayed months. Yeah, but this really was timed to happen before the first episode. Right, so yeah, I don't know what If happened. there was going to be a delay, they they knew they had to make it short. Right. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what happened on the publishing side. I mean, I'm assuming that it had to do with printing or whatever, getting the books out because I think that I'm pretty sure they already had the digital files ready, but they they didn't release them until the books came out too. Right. So, okay. anyways, well, yeah, I don't know what the I, don't, I never saw what to say uh, what the reason was it just they did release an announcement saying that it was going to be delayed a week so okay. at least they did that and, usually and, you don't even get that yeah and that delayed our recording too but anyways yeah I, uh, I I mean this is a very traditional Star Trek story and I liked it I mean I, I liked how you know the conflict ended up not being a, a fist fight or a laser battle but between someone's conscious and you know they're con- not conscious. Uh, what conscience? Con- is that it? Yeah. What Jiminy Cricket is? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so finally, Zaban's conscience is you know saying you know you got to keep your eye on the ball, and the ball is saving as many Romulans as you can, and you're you're screwing it up. Right. So that was good. And when the love of your life is like, hey, you know what? If you do this, I'm out. Yeah, I do like her. <laughs> She's pretty cool to have around, but I really uh, want to go the rest of my life without her. And I guess I'll, I guess yeah. I'll so <clears throat> see the light. so it, yeah. So the core of this is the deceit and uh, and lies and do anything for your objective thing that the Romulans are known for, right? And I, I do like the fact that. Zaban did not turn on the Tal Shiar so easily. I mean, uh, so I, I do like that. Um, I mean, it really was taken right up to the edge when he finally uh, changed his mind. Right. So that was kind of cool. I, I like that. Right. Yeah, and their duplicity is nothing new. I mean, that is what Romulans have been known for since, exactly. since the original series. Yep. Yeah, quite different from the uh, from the Klingon enemy, the traditional Klingon enemy. Um, so yeah, I I always kind of liked the uh, the Romulan episodes because right. there was more stuff going on, more mysteries going on. You know, what are they up to this time? Where with the Klingons, it's pretty straightforward. Right, which is like in Deep Space Nine. I always felt like the Cardassians were kind of like more like the the Romulans than any other. Like if you if you look at like those. Cardassian episodes, they were kind of like a poor man's Romulus, you know, that they were also deceiving and, you know, mm-hmm. secret police and all that stuff going on. Yep. 
Yep. But maybe they didn't have quite the wealth of the Romulan Empire where they could back it all up most a lot of the time, so they had to make the deals with the Dominion and all that stuff. Right. Well, the Dominion presented them with a uh, an opportunity. Right. And, you know, they didn't yeah. have much of a choice because it was become subservient to the Dominion or die. Yeah. And, you know, before we were talking about how, oh, my God, they're making it sound like the Federation has to save these people. They're like the only people that can. I was thinking back to those heavy losses Romulans took in the Dominion War, where they took a lot of their fleet into... Wormhole? Through the wormhole, and they thought they were going to get the Founders. It turned out to be a trap, and they lost a lot of ships. So now I was thinking, oh, well... Was it because their their ships are depleted because of that that they that they have such a dependence upon uh, the Federation? And it's like, no, that's a long time. A long time period went between those two time periods. So that's not it. Um. Anyway, mm. enough of that. Well, um, obviously so. they were fighting the Borg, as we find out in the uh, in in the episodes that there must have been some Borg attacks on Romulus that we've never seen before. Exactly. Yeah, and we got a lot more to talk about then, so I'm going to try to wrap this up quickly. My comments, anyway. Sure. Because <laughs> there's a lot to talk about with the, with the episodes. This this is going to go a little long, but I did want to bring up the idea. I'm uh, just uh, so Lu- Lieutenant Newton. Yeah. So Lieutenant a lowly lieutenant was left in charge of the ship when the captain and first officer left the ship. They got no lieutenant commanders on the ship. Admiral and. First officer. So there's not even a captain. On well, ship. there you go. There's not even a captain. Okay, so <laughs> I don't know. It's like it's kind of odd. Right. Uh, it, it. I. But you know, maybe. Okay, fine. Uh, but it. The way the rank goes, at least in the in the uh, U.S. naval, it's lieutenant, lieutenant commander, commander, captain. So there aren't really that many levels between. But still, I, I would have thought maybe a lieutenant commander. So lieutenant so. commander is above. Say that ranking again. Lieutenant, okay. Lieutenant Commander, right, right, and then Commander, and then Captain, right. I think I just did that from memory, but that's what I I looked it up before, right. Yeah, and that fits with um, Star Trek. I mean, because by the end of Next Generation, everybody was a Lieutenant Commander or a Commander. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, I just thought there would be more than just a Lieutenant there, but also interesting, Lieutenant Mercia is the comms officer that got a hold of Picard and said, hey, we took the ship back. So do you recognize that name at all? Nuh-uh. Okay. So there is a Lieutenant Mercia that was on the Endeavor when Chris Pines Kirk commanded it in the comic book series. Oh, okay. I don't remember that or not, but he was like the first comms or one of the few comms officers we saw in place of Ohura. I don't think it's the same guy. I don't think it is either. But I'm I'm just it's kind of interesting. Well, of course, they're two different time splits. Mm-hmm. Uh and and different time periods too. Uh, different centuries. But I just thought it was very interesting that in both stories that are separated by uh <laughs> by 100 years and also uh dimensionally that a comms officer named Lieutenant Mercia pops up in this story, too. Right. And uh, I, I just thought it was an interesting choice. I didn't know whether that was on purpose Maybe there's or not. somebody at IDW named Mercia that they 
they're honoring. Yeah. Also, another thing I seem to remember... You remember that issue storyline in the Chris Pine comics where it turns out there's two members of the Enterprise crew, or maybe it was the uh, the other the Endeavor crew, that uh, turned out to be superhumans? And I'm not sure, but I think Mercia might have been one of them. Oh, really? Superhumans. Anyway. So they were augmented like Khan? No, 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 no. They, they were like aliens. They were aliens. Oh. Wow, I don't... Like, on the, on the Enterprise or on the Endeavor, I don't know, to study humans or something? I'm not quite sure. But anyway, something happened, and they had to expose themselves, or else the ship would have been uh, destroyed. Okay. And um, anyway, I, I, I couldn't find the issue again, uh, applying as much time as I was willing to apply to the search. <laughs> but I, I, my dim memories say... Mercia might have been that uh, that alien huh, well. with superpowers. Anyway, so maybe that so. is the same person. If they're an alien, they don't age like we do. Exactly. But anyway, I don't know. Okay. So uh, another thing I just wanted to say is uh, Governor Shiana, wow. Brass balls on that woman, which is really hard. But talking about Picard's treachery, oh my god. <laughs> She, and by the way, where did they get those codes? Yeah, they don't explain it at all. <laughs> no, no. But at first I was thinking, oh, there's got to be some kind of plant right. in Starfleet. Or maybe somebody from Starfleet who does not want to see the Romulan saved, who is feeding information to the Tal Shiar. But it, it doesn't look like it was a, a plant, uh, or it doesn't look like there's, there's a trader in Starfleet. Which is the first thing I thought of. Right. Uh, however, as we will see in the TV show, there are Romulans in Starfleet. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so who knows? Anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. Absolutely. In regards to how she's saying that you know your duplicity or whatever, I mean, this is after Nemesis, which brought to light that they even cloned Picard at one point and was going to replace him with a clone she's on and so i mean i wish they would have said something about that you know just like (laughs) you're you're one to talk you cloned me and you were going to take over my my ship and my and the federation through a uh an operative like that yep and then especially when those uh romulans showed up at the end I, i was when they first decloaked, I was really hoping that it was that um, that Romulan woman that sided with Picard at the end of Enterprise or end of Nemesis that helped fighting. Oh She's right, on. right. But it wasn't. They, they they made zero references to Nemesis at all. Yeah, at the end of Nemesis, Picard was on pretty good relationship footing with the Romulans. Well, what was left of them? Because the whole uh, exactly because the Senate was destroyed. <laughs> Exactly. So, yeah. So, and, and they make it clear in this issue that the Romulan Senate is pretty much on board with the Federation helping them. Right. With the evacuation. So, that's cool. But it's like, the Tal Shiar is quite a loose cannon. As we will see in the, in the first three episodes of uh, the TV show. All right. So, just a 
quick quick thing at the end of this issue that I really wish they would have included is when Jordy was talking to Picard, I really wish on his desk they would have shown maybe like a jellyfish or something, like a, a little, like the, <laughs> the plans of the jellyfish. Yeah. Exactly something. Yeah. Because Jordy built the jellyfish too, supposedly. Or at so. least in the Countdown comic he did. Exactly, exactly. And, and by the way, I hope Jordy didn't go boom with the shipyards, but... Bring up so Jordy. he's there on Mars? Oh, yeah, he is on Mars. Yeah, you're right. Good point. I think he's in orbit in the orbital part of the shipyards, Utopia Planitia sh- shipyards. But, yeah, he could be on the planet, too. I mean, he probably goes between wherever he needs to go. Yeah, so I hope he uh, survived. Yeah, yeah, me too. Oh, man, I'm going to be mad if they talk about that. Episode 4 or something, they're like, oh, yeah. Jordy <laughs> who died in the yeah. Mars thing. And I'm like, <gasps> they better not kill off anybody. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Killing off date is bad enough. Right. If anybody else right. died in between in the 22 years that that passed, uh, right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, speak of that. I want to see. Even though this is not in alignment with continuity, I want to see Captain Worf showing up in the Enterprise F. Is that who's in? Is that who's supposed to be the captain of the Enterprise? I don't know. They never say. But I'm just saying that'd be pretty cool. That would be pretty cool. So speaking of all he, Jordy, all he says is there, it's in good hands. Yeah, That's it's in good says. hands, and it's not data. We know that for now. We know that now that we've yeah, seen the episodes. Yeah. Yep. So speaking of Jordy's desk, uh, what is it with the the U.S. Space Force logo all over it? Uh, I don't remember seeing that. Space Force. Well, you know. Oh, oh, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. So. So the U, yeah. So Trump's space force, they have an official logo now, and it looks suspiciously like the uh, Starfleet. Starfleet logo. So not so not the Federation logo, the Starfleet logo. Right. So instead of like a delta with a little star inside, it's just a, a little triangle with a exactly. Wedge so not so not so not a Starfleet swoosh. It's got a triangle instead. Yeah. Um, Although I will also, in their defense, the NASA logo has like an orbiting kind of thing happening. You know, so it's like a circular line with like a like like a big dot at the front of it mm-hmm. that's, that's kind of symbolizing something in orbit, like a, like a moon in orbit or something. So, uh, you know, that's part of the NASA logo. Sure. And Star Trek borrow that. Right. So, you know, exactly who's borrowing from who, it's not 100% clear, but when you do see them together, side mm-hmm. by side, <laughs> it looks like Starfleet to me. Right. Well, I mean, the <laughs> but, uh, the first space shuttle was an Enterprise, so why not uh, just keep borrowing? Yeah. Well, yeah, but then again, you know, Roddenberry borrowed the name of the atomic aircraft carrier. Right, right. Um, Enterprise. And, so, and Voyager. Whatever. I mean, I mean, there's, it's it's, it's a give and take. Exactly. Exactly. I I, I don't. I, everybody was upset about it, but I thought it was actually, it's kind of a cool logo, and the fact yeah. that it just happens to look like Star Trek is just icing on the cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, quite frankly, uh, I think the whole idea of Space Force, which I talked texted you about, is ridiculous. And uh, is escalating. I mean, who are you guarding us from, Space Force? Uh, the Russians? Great. China? Great, because there aren't any aliens, odds are. 
that we have to be defended from. So um, we are getting closer to that you know. Zindi day, so we got to be ready. Ah. <laughs> the Zindi attack that took out Houston or whatever. Right, exactly. I live I live uh, in Texas, so that, that yeah, hits, you're, that, you're very that aware of that. To me. Yeah, exactly. That hits home. Um, uh, anyways. All right, what else you have okay. on this issue before we... Uh, the last thing I have to say is the two Klingon warships that show up, and, and they call me... You mean Romulan de- warships? Oh, Rom- I'm sorry, Romulan warships. And they call them a Dideradex-class warships. Right. They look an awful lot like the uh, TNG ships. Yep, they do. And were those Dideradex? I, I did not know that. I, I never knew they were they were called that, right. uh, but I certainly hope that there's some development going on on the Romulan side that ships, you know, change a little bit. I mean, obviously the Scimitar, Shinzon's ship, looks very different from the Romulan sh- the other Romulan ships, and plus the Romulan ships they even show in the last movie look different, right? And now. They're bring, now this is even further in the future, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and and they bring back that traditional TNG TV show uh, ships, yeah. which, by the way, I always love. I love those. those. I mean, they they look great. So glad to see them back. You know what they are immediately, but don't you think they change a little bit? Anyway, they don't look like they don't, change. Don't much. change with perfection, buddy. Uh, don't mess with it. There you go. But okay. the little ship that. Decloaks first. I mean, it obviously looks like nothing I've ever seen before. Yeah, yeah. So that's different. So that that's cool, that, and that that makes sense. Um. Anyway, I just thought I'd say that. All right. But yeah, so that's it. All right. So uh, long story short, three issues told a somewhat generic next generation Star Trek story. Uh, nothing really groundbreaking. Nothing that counted down to the show that got me ready for the show or anything just aside from explaining who the the two romulans are that end up on the on the chateau mm-hmm. uh, i did not feel like i did at the end of the original countdown where i was just like oh my right. god this is gonna be so great <laughs> <laughs> well uh, maybe i'm just old and jaded now i don't know <laughs> as opposed to back in 2009 uh, back in 2009 yeah yeah i thought it was great it gave us a lot of backstory, but yeah, I mean, definitely if I didn't see this, it'd have less of an effect on me than not seeing the original countdown for the 2009 movie. Right. Because that gave you a lot of backstory over what led you to where we were. Right. Um, so I think that's what you're saying, and I agree with you. Right. Yeah, the only thing that reading these gave me that, you know, my wife, who was also a big Star Trek fan, but she doesn't read mm-hmm. comic books, uh, you know, so I was like telling her, oh, they... They used to be, you know, Tal Shiar and, you know, what little bit that I got from the comic book uh, factored into our conversations. But aside from that, uh, I couldn't be like, <laughs> not like the 2009 movie where I was like, oh, yeah, and then Jordy and Spock built the jellyfish. And <laughs> 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 this whole long backstory right. about the Narada and the jellyfish and all this stuff where, where here yeah. I'm just like, oh, yeah, they – they're Tashiar. That's all you need to know. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> all right. Okay. So, so uh, quickly, you want to talk about the first three episodes? <sighs> Let's try to be quick, but this is going to be rough. This is going to be a long episode. So in in, in the so, uh, I'm also watching the uh, there's a, a companion series with Will Wheaton 
oh, that, ready yeah. room. In that, they said that the first three issues is the first arc, and it's con- and they consider the first three episodes being the quote unquote pilot. So it's it's the three it's the storyline that sets up the rest of the series. So sure. So it's kind of cool that, that makes sense. we've seen those first three episodes, so we can now talk about it as if we watched the pilot of the show. Exactly. So it, it took the end of the third episode for Picard to finally get back into space. Right. But now they're back into space. He's got his, at least most of his crew, not all, and they're finally in space, yes. Good point. I really hadn't really thought of that. I saw the first Ready Room, and then I haven't watched the other two yet. Yeah. But uh, it's interesting to see what uh, what Michael Chabon and some of the other producers... Uh, director, the director for the uh, first episode, w- was in the first Ready Room, I believe. Right, yeah, she was. So that was cool. I got to catch up on the other two's Ready Rooms, because it does give you some interesting information. Right. So, yeah, so all said, the three episodes, I mean, they were good. I liked them, and, and there was a, a lot of flashbacks, so we did finally get to find out why uh, she hates Picard so much. Which, which <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a little weird that she got fired because Picard made a stance that resigned. you either I either resign or you give me the ships to help the Romulans and then they're like okay mm-hmm. you retire you're out you're out and then why would she get why would she she shouldn't be she shouldn't be drummed out because of that and, and, and quite frankly in that and we're jumping ahead to the third I think it's the third, yeah, it's episode. The third episode um she is more gung-ho about saving the Romulans than Picard seems to be now, okay, so there's a whole scene at the beginning of the third episode, I think it is, and she and Picard, they're still in Starfleet, and this is after the big meeting with the big honchos in Starfleet that Picard takes his stand and ends up having his, uh, you know, ha- having his resignation accepted. And so this is the end of their attempts to helping the, the evacuation. But it's like, it's almost like Picard is like ruined, or not ruined. He's he's broken. He, he's he, like he, in shock. He's broken. He's in exactly. Shock. So he's in shock, and it's really Raffi who is like. I mean, she's she seems to be like a logistical genius. It's like her. It's in her wheelhouse to try to organize all this stuff, and she seems to be more of a driver about saving these people than Picard is. But you know. Yeah, anyway, and she's so. like, "What do we do next?" And he's like, oh, "I'm done." You know. Well, yeah, without the without the resources of Starfleet, what can we do? Right. And he's right, but I mean, what what one ship you can pull together or something? I mean, right. But then she gets called away and says, "Oh, you, you retired." And yeah, I get, so I'm going to get fired. And then they cut it. And then they then she says later that you never talked to me after that. It's been 20 years, and you never once called to say hello. And that's why she's so bitter against him. Um, right. But I, yep. I couldn't. I couldn't figure out why she got fired. It didn't seem like they did anything no. wrong, aside well, from she was his commanding officer and he was trying to do something, and she was, you know, supporting him. Why would that exactly. cause her to get fired? Well, because she had to get fired, right? Right. Because you for wanted her to be. She, she exactly for the story. She had to be fired. She had to be out of Starfleet. She had to be able in a position to help him when he needed to get back into space. Sure. So, but no, you're completely right. It makes no sense unless okay, so, unless there's more to it. Maybe they did do something that they weren't supposed to do. Against orders that we haven't we haven't been we're not privy to yet. Right. Okay. I just want to mention some things about the first episode. All right, go for it. Okay, so I thought uh, Bing Crosby singing "Blue Skies" 
was an unexpected way to start the series. Very unexpected. A nice nod but to Nemesis. Exactly. And it, it was cool. I mean, and, the, and then they went from that to um, showing the D, uh, Enterprise D. And, and then you see Data and Picard playing poker. Right. And it turned into some kind of dream sequence or something. But it was so cool because, of course, the poker... Playing poker is how they ended the series <laughs> in all good things. And that's how they picked this series up. So I thought that was very cool. And I, and I really liked their interaction. I love that whole thing about Data's tell. Oh, right. Um, which was great. And then at the end of that, after Picard goes through his very thorough analysis of Data's t- poker tell, uh, I just love uh, Data's, Data's final response saying, I am confused at, as to which deception to employ going forward. <laughs> that is so Data. That that was very well written, I think. Right. I enjoyed it. Well, what did you think about the Enterprise D? Because it didn't quite look like the normal Enterprise D, I, I didn't think. Well, it was very the na- chrome. It was very what? It was very chrome-colored. It was chrome-colored? Shiny, shiny and... Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. I, I, I thought maybe the nacelle, the front of the nacelle, it looked like it had, like, two... I don't know if I remember this correctly or not, but it almost looked like, like there were two light sources within the oval red, you know, part. Mm. The, the Bassard Collector or whatever that's supposed to be. So that looked different to me, but I didn't notice that it was chromey. Oh, yeah. It looked uh, very shiny to me. Okay. Yeah, well. And I was like, I was wondering if that was part of the... You keep hearing about this has to be 25% different. So I was wondering if maybe that was why they were kind of updating the Enterprise C, kind of like how they updated the Enterprise A a A to make it a little bit different. No? Okay. I'll have to go back and look again. But but definitely, oh, God. You keep on bringing up the 25% different thing. And, and, And you'd think all that's out the window now that Viacom and CBS have merged again. And they're merged. But these shows came out before that. I mean, they were being made before that. Yeah, but... Exactly, but I don't want to go on a tangent, but you'd think all that's over just because they've merged again, but not really. Right. Those contracts are still out there, and bad robots' involvement in these contracts, too. Uh, things aren't all hunky-dory in Star Trek land just because uh, Viacom has merged again with, with CBS. Right. But Okay, let's not talk about that. That's for a different day, I suppose. <laughs> but... um. I love the poker day. Yeah, the I love the poker day. And then, I mean, just going off episode one, from the trailers, one of the things that I wanted that woman to be, you know, because it was a whole mystery, who's who's this girl? Mm-hmm. I really wanted her to be lol or a, a variation of lol or something like that. Mm-hmm. So when, yeah. when you know, he's painting the, the daughter and all that stuff, and you find out that, oh, she is, you know, lol or some sort of daughter, um, Super excited, super excited, super excited. Suppose, well, supposedly. Yeah. We don't know it for sure. But then they never actually mention that he never mentions LOL at all. Even Picard's like, Data has a daughter. And I'm like, no kidding, you know this. <laughs> you saw him. Yeah, you were, you were unhappy about it. Right, and you saw him having to dismantle her. So you know that he has a daughter. So why are you acting all surprised? and like, oh, i got to do anything for her. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I like, I love that it, you know, she basically is some maybe some sort of lull, but mm-hmm. I hate that they don't at least acknowledge that there was one before. You know, right? Um, 
you'd think if he paints something, it would be of lol. Right. Not dodge. Right. And anyway, I understand the, the differences between, oh, you can't use the same actress. <laughs> from uh, you know, from the TV series that that played his daughter, but and then why did Data paint it twice? So he painted he painted that same scene twice, once without a face, which is hanging in Picard's chateau, and then once with a face that's in the vault, Starfleet Museum or whatever that is. Yeah. So why did he do it twice? Because they're twins, Kane. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of silly. Yeah. The whole twins, well, whole thing, twins thing is also thing. silly. I, I, don't, I don't like that either. <laughs> okay, so we're jumping forward to the discussion between Picard and Dr. whatever her name is. Right. Uh, what What is her name? Uh, Girati. So Dr. Girati. So we're jumping forward to the conversation between Dr. Girati, who is a, a roboticist or whatever, and she just says... Oh, well, well, if you did fractal neurotic cloning, so if you were to do that with a cell from Data, and it's like he's a freaking robot. <laughs> so you're going to take a, quote, cell from his positronic matrix, which, he was, which was always depicted as hardware, right. not biological. Right. You're going to clone him from some cell? It's like he's not biological. Um... And, they, and then she and then she just tosses off and says, "Oh well, they're always created in pairs," and like nobody asks about that, nobody says anything about that. It's just, "Oh, they're always done in pairs." Oh, then let's, let's, let's go find the other one. Yay! Exactly. Yay! Okay, <laughs> fine. So okay, so this is not a perfect series. They always come in <laughs> pairs, except for Data, who came in threes. Because <laughs> there's well, before okay, lore and, and Data. So I mean, well, exactly. Okay. Great. So they they actually pull open a drawer and there's B four again. Right. And then then Doctor Gerardi makes it very clear that it looks like in the end, uh, Data's backup loading it onto on the B four didn't really take because they're too t- they're too different. Right. B four doesn't have enough whatever to be able to to truly be become Data. Okay, that's fine. Well, what about lore? And I think you might have brought that up, too, uh, in our conversations. But lore is still out there. Yeah. And lore seemed to be as sophisticated as Data. It's just that his programming was different. Well, and Data's mom. Wasn't it? Data's mom even fools um, transporters, right? So there's there's a, a woman out there who doesn't even know she's an android that's more sophisticated than Data, lore, and before that was also created by Noonie and Zing. And they don't ever okay. talk about her, ever. Yeah. And then she's like, Data was the most sophisticated android we've ever known. And I'm like, baloney? Picard <laughs> knows that there's another one. <laughs> that even fools medical scanners and, and transporters that think that she's human. Yeah. Okay, so there's multiple opportunities here. Right. You know, I, I really hope they don't bring Data back because it's kind of... It's it's like superhero stories where eventually every hero will be killed off. And eventually most of them will be brought back. Right. And it's like there's no consequences. Ever. So I kinda like the idea of Picard's or rather Data's sacrifice not being undone by just bringing him back. Yeah, and I, but, I did like that for, supposedly Brett Spiner said he would not come back if they were gonna bring him back. 
they good. they wanted his death to be final to actually mean something. So yep, I, I, exactly. I like that. Good. Good. So since he's back, I'm assuming that that's he's not going to come back like like we think he is. Yeah. Right. So let's 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 keep it that way and let's move on. Um, although we all love data. Okay. So Dodge is somehow cloned from 100% hardware data. Mm-hmm. But she is 100% biological? Yep, somehow. Okay, so she's a Except bio... she's super, superhuman, so she's not... There's that well, isn't that on. interesting? Yes. So she's got the benefits of mechanisms that are stronger than flesh and blood, yet... She is biological, so you know she's she's a lot more towards aliens, robots like, that were like Ash wet and Bishop. Wear. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Ash and Bishop. Call. They were like, I mean, they, they weren't all. I mean, there was some hardware in there, but they were a lot of wetware kind of thing. Anyway, I'm just trying to keep all this straight. Right. Doctor Girardi says a thousand years to develop a hundred percent biological synth. So, right. obviously, somebody did it a lot faster. And, yeah, Noonie and Sung, and it's already out there. It's called Data's Mama. Find her. Uh, <laughs> okay, so da- I know da- okay, so Data's Mama was more sophisticated, but she wasn't wetware, right? Yeah. I mean, she was no, still a robot. No, she, well, I don't know. They said that she fooled even sensors and even medical scanners and stuff. Okay, but, but is that because she's putting out some kind of signal that masks her electronics, yeah, her me- mechanics? I don't know. I don't remember. Anyway, okay, whatever. But yeah, good point. I mean, yeah, this girl, she bled. Right. Whereas when you poke data, he just blinks. Nah. <laughs> what, was that his line? When you cut me, do I not blink? <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah, I'm really iffy on all that stuff. I mean, I'm going to go with it because it's Star Trek and they don't, they're not always 100% consistent anyways because... Yeah, they always made a big deal about Data being the most sophisticated android ever, the first humanoid-looking android ever. And then I'm like, there are tons of original series episodes where they come across androids all the time. Created by Earth, created created by humanity. Is that what is that the caveat? Well, yeah, (laughs) exactly. Hello. Anyways, okay. So I just want to cover a few things in the first episode. I thought the abduction sequence with the biker Romulans. Trying to, you know, uh, do something with Dodge. Okay, so we find out eventually that they're trying to get information from her. Okay, fine, whatever. Like, why didn't they just beam her out? I mean, why don't you just beam her out to wherever your ship is or wherever you're beaming in from? Right. You got some kind, you know, you got some kind of base or something, or maybe it's a ship. Who knows? But you're beaming all these ninja, biker, Romulan guys all in black. Yeah. So why not just beam her out? Why not just stun the boyfriend? Why do you have to throw a knife to the chest? I mean, I, I, I thought the whole sequence was pretty, was kind of cool because it was like, it was very well choreographed. But it's like, you just kind of start asking some, some questions come up. Yeah, don't ask questions. Anyway. Can't just go with it. No. Maybe, maybe no. part of her synthetic stuff is that she can't be beamed up unless she wants to. Yeah. Well, what they say when they were running up the stairs, and by the way, why are you running up the stairs? Did you have a ship waiting for you? I mean, you're going to you're going to get to the roof eventually. So where are you going to go after that? But they said she wasn't on the monitors. And then they said something about her being able to camouflage herself. There you go. From or having the because obviously you could see her. She does not have a cloaking device, but somehow 
she was able to cloak herself on cameras, on monitors, yeah. as part of her defensive mechanism? Really? Sure. Why not? I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. Um, okay. Uh, I love the shots of future San Francisco. They're just beautiful and daylight, and they were like from far off, and they showed the Golden Gate, which I'm looking at it, and I don't see anything on it. I don't see people on it. Certainly don't see cars on it. And it almost looks like it's a solar panel grid instead of oh, really? That's cool. on it. So it's like, I'm not sure if that's what they were trying to get across, but it looked very cool. Loved all yeah, those. Yeah, I'm glad they keep Th- those are great rebuilding scenes. it after, you know, all the, all the <laughs> It keeps getting blown up. Yeah. Blowed up. Yeah, and the Daystrom Institute in Japan. Yeah. That looked pretty cool. Osaka, right. Um, yeah. yeah. Love that. Okay, I just also want to bring up, uh, we were introduced to Narek, who was the Romulan agent guy. That sleeps with her? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, don't like him. Uh, no, no, but he's, he's the villain. Him. There you go. And, and it was kind of funny, because when I heard Harry Treadway was going to be on this, who is the actor, I thought he was going to be part of the crew. I didn't realize he was going to be the heavy. And who is he from? But he's from Penny Dreadful. He played Dr. Frankenstein in oh, Penny Dreadful. Oh, okay, okay. Or should I say Frankenstein? Anyway, uh, he was really good in Penny Dreadful, and he, he's, I think he makes a really good Romulan secret agent guy. Yeah, he... he... He seems to be trying to channel Freddie Redmayne. I keep like calling him the, uh, you know, his his acting is like Freddie Freddie Redmayne from. You know, oh, okay. I didn't re- realize it. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Seem to have. I don't know if it's just that they kind of look look alike, or he's really trying to act like him. I don't know. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I I really have never seen any of the what Fantastic Creatures movies. Yeah, and he was also in the. He's been in tons. So. Well, yeah, he's been in a lot of different things. I just haven't seen most of them. Not even the uh, Hawkins one? Stephen Hawkins? No, I never saw that. Oh, man, it was good. I never saw that. Especially that scene where he was playing poker with Data. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't have that in the movie. No, but that would have been awesome. I didn't think so. (laughs) That would have been awesome. (laughs) Now, I, I, I really should watch that movie. I've never seen it. Okay, that's the end of my comments from the first episode. Yeah, I really didn't like the, uh, that he... I don't know. The, the whole sleeping with her kind of upset me a little bit. I don't know why. Why? I don't know why. It just did. He's a bad guy. Yeah, I know he's a bad he's guy. He's a bad but, guy. And she's, she's I don't I don't know what it was, but something something about that him manipulating her like that and for whatever reason that really that really ticked me off. <laughs> well, it was better than spitting acid blood on her or something. Yeah, where, what, whatever what is the heck that? those guys were doing. Cuz I thought it was like, you know, like a cyanide capsule or something in his feet. That's what I thought it was. But then, I, then she I blows like... up, so I'm like, well, is that part of the acid, or did she just blow up? Well, okay, e- either a tooth is filled with this stuff, or they got capsules or something in there. Because right. you'll notice that when the Romulan biker ninja guys right. he seems to bite spit down this stuff him. out. Right, so so it definitely is channeling the whole I- the traditional idea of a uh, cyanide uh, arsenic, right. cyanide, there you go. But it's actually a weapon. When you spit it out at somebody, first off, there's a lot of it. Yeah. It's like gross. Right. And it completely melts your face. So it's like, ouch. You, wow. Those guys really are brainwashed into doing that kind well, of shit. People who okay, used so, to do the cyanide p- capsules in their tooth were that way too. I mean, 
Well, but but you don't you don't have acid going through your your throat and mouth and face. That's an even worse way to die. I mean, I, I'm not quite sure what kind of pain you feel when you do uh, cyanide. I guess you probably do, but it's like it's better than acid. Didn't you see uh, what was it the that last James one of the James Bond movies, Skyfall? Yeah, what about it? Well, he's, he supposedly lived through it, uh, Benicio del Toro, and he takes out his false teeth and he's oh, like half his jaw right, gone. Right, right. Oh, was that was that what yeah, that was supposed to be? That, he said that he bit down on it and it didn't it didn't kill him though. Oh, cool! I never. So got I don't that. know how realistic that is, but when I saw that, I was like, "Holy moly, that must have hurt!" <laughs> Ouch! Ouch! Okay, so but I mean, but later that right. guy spits acid in the third issue episode. Yeah, and so that doesn't cause an explosion. I mean, it well, well, doesn't well, land okay, on the either. But so it lands on Dodge, and then also some of it drips down on oh, the phaser on the, rifle on the on the disruptor. Oh, okay. or disruptor, disruptor rifle, whatever it is. And by the way, okay, so disruptors are what Klingons use. Phasers are what Federation uses. Do Romulans use disruptors? Yeah, they've always used disruptors in the book. Okay, disruptors. Okay, fine. So, okay, yeah, so there was a scene where some of the acid blood drops on the uh, phaser. Now, Now, I thought he had set it to overload, and it blew up on overload, but really, looking at it, because I've watched it a couple times... It's the acid blood on the rifle that causes it to explode. Sure. Okay. Yuck. All right. So, what about two? And what comments do you have for two? Because okay, so okay, we're yeah we we are going really long. So I just want to throw a few things out from the other two issues. I thought the Rios character was kind of interesting. Who's who's um, Rios again? Captain Rios. The he, so he he's the ex Starfleet guy that has the oh, ship. Yeah, yeah. He's the and, pilot and the hologram guy. Well, right, yeah, yeah. So it's interesting that he chooses to use his EMH, who is also some kind of engineering guy, too. Um, they don't call him to, EMH. To... They call him a EMN or something like that, or EN. Well, okay, there's two of them. Oh, there's two different guys? There's two one. Ah, yeah, okay. there's two of them. the same guy. Okay. Yeah, well, they all look like him. Right. So so the first guy was an EMH who took the uh, the shard of Tritanium Which out of his They shard. never explained where it came from. No, they didn't. Some accident, we assume, but who knows. And then later, I think it was an engineering guy. Oh, okay. Who, who has... What is it with all these accents? So clearly, Irish accent? That's Irish, right? The, uh, the engineering guy? Uh, anyway, well, so he's got... He, so his accent's different than the captain's himself's? Oh yes! Oh yeah! I'm gonna have to go back. Yeah, the, ca- the the captain just sounds like kind of a clipped Spanish accent, a little bit, but he mainly sounds kind of American. Uh, okay. Uh, and then the thick accents on one of the e- the E N H or whatever the engineering one, uh, but thick Irish accent on the Romulan uh, working at the the, the girl, the, Rom- the female Romulan working at Chateau Picard. Thick Irish oh, accent. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. I mean, she's even using, uh, what is it, cheeky? Yeah, she calls, she calls him a cheeky, cheeky? or something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, that's fine. She's but really I, enveloped herself into the uh, Earth experience. I guess so. Anyway, <laughs> uh, okay, so his ship, though. So finally, in the third episode, the end of the third episode, well, actually middle to the end, uh, we get to see the ship. So this is the hero ship. 
that we're going to be traveling around in for however many episodes that this the series goes, or at least the first season. Mm-hmm. So it very much does not... We couldn't see it that well because it's in space and it's dark in space, but from what we could see of it from the outside, it's a very different look. It's not a, it does not look like a Starfleet ship. Nope. It, it, the closest thing that came to mind was Spock's warp-capable shuttle. From Star Trek, the in, motion picture? Exactly. Okay. Right. Now, it, so the shuttle was on a warp sled that had, like, the engines, the warp engines went forward and were kind of like the similar shape as two protrusions going forward of this ship. And by the way, I don't know what the ship is called. Did they mention it in the name? Uh, not that I know of. I, I don't remember hearing it. Anyway, it's a pretty cool looking ship. It's obviously not Starfleet. It doesn't look Starfleet, which makes complete sense. So right, I'm gonna have to go back and look at it again because I don't remember it looking like that. I don't remember it. Looking yeah, well, like just anything. take a look. I at have it. like zero memory on it. Oh, okay. That's we'll take a look weird. at it again. <laughs> it's you can't see it very well in most angles because it's very dark. Although it does have like a red and white color scheme that reminds me a bit of Star Wars like Rebel ships. Oh, okay, okay. Or not, not as much, eh, some degree Rebel, but mainly the uh, the Republic. Republic ships, okay. like Jedi ships. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, but it does not it does not look like Starfleet at all. Huh. So, um, I thought that was cool, and then I thought uh, reclaiming the Borgs, I thought was a noble pursuit for them to be doing, and about that Borg cube, let me just say quickly, and then I'll shut up and you can talk, <laughs> that there are multiple reviewers out there of this series so far, people that I have respect for, their knowledge of Star Trek, uh, this is on YouTube, and two separate reviews from two separate websites keep on saying the Romulans are building a Borg cube. Why are they building a Borg cube? They're building a Borg cube. They're building a Borg... No. No. no they're... they're dismantling a Borg right. cube. They're, they're, they're figuring out its secrets. And they're going to build an errata. Did you guys not see the 2009 well, I, movie? Well, at this time, they would have already built it, right? Well, you don't. Well, by the time Picard uh, happened, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. Over. So, so we haven't seen the Narada yet, right? Yeah. So I was just assuming it's that out the Narada came from that Borg cube, and and they're exactly. still working on it. Exactly. So the things they're learning from this Borg cube, from a technology standpoint, they are putting into uh, weapons and ships. Right. And Narada is the main one that we know about. Exactly. And then they are, and then using the people as slaves. Really, people. I mean the. Well, what are they doing though? I mean, they're so they're reclaiming people. Yeah, but then so they're, 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 they're having they're to work the, board... on the ship. Yeah, it looked like they were like working well, but... on dismantling it. It was not clear to me what the reclaimed Borgs were doing, but yeah, they could be dismantling it. Well, yeah, it, it wasn't showed clear. shots of them just working on the, like the the panels and stuff. So I'm assuming, yeah, and not not like the five people that are in like the medical ward or whatever, like the crazy ones. But there was like other yeah, ones that the, looked like they the were like crazy they ones. were doing, uh, you know, manual yeah. labor. Right. So I was I was kind of harking back to these issues where, you know, the Romulans aren't above having slaves or indentured servants of some sort, and that's now what these reclaimed board are are. Yeah, it could be. It could be. So they go from uh, masters of the universe, you know, conquerors to slaves in kind of an right. interesting. Interesting the hands of the Romulans. Of arc for the, the board. Right. And one more last thing is, all those non-Romulans that are on that ship, 
there are humans. At least they look like humans. Yep. I guess I guess they could be Bajorans uh, or well, no, they can't be Bajorans. But anyway, they all they, many of them look like they're humans. There are Andorians in there, right? And does Starfleet or the Federation? No, they've got a cube. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, know. we'll find out when Picard gets there. <laughs> well, <laughs> because it's like I would think that the Federation would be making a big, big stink about the fact that they've got a Borg cube. What are you doing with those former Borgs? What are you doing with that technology that you're that you're taking from that cube? I would think that they would be very interested in what they're up to. So, how are all those? people there, non-Romulans on that ship. Right. I mean, are they all signing a non-disclosure agreement? They're not going to tell anybody? It just seems very odd. It does seem odd. And I'm also... What, what is Dr. Maddox's... Um, what's his game, right? He's obviously created two artificial people, given yep. them backstories so they think they're human, sent one to Earth to eventually work yep. at the Daystrom Institute, and sent one to there... They yep. obviously know about each other, right? Because yep. uh, they talk to each other, and she asks the fake mom about how her sister's doing. So it's just like, what, what, yeah. is, what is their game? Why go through all this creating people and sending them to two different places and pretend to be human? So I hope that yeah. there's a good explanation. Well, there are multiple uh, mysteries here. So who really was behind the Mars attack? Who is behind creating Adage and Soj is the other one's name? Yeah, we assume that it's Maddox, though. I mean, that's who they... Well, what's the assumption so far? Right. But I think it's more than just Maddox. Sure, Uh, sure. And who knows? Maybe in the end it isn't Maddox. Who knows? Right. Uh, But it probably is. But there seems to be some organization behind there. Because the mom, when Dodge spoke to the mom, she basically downloaded something into Dodge that allowed her to hear people's conversations for blocks, that allowed her to track down where Picard is. Right. Who was allowing her to jump, you know, ridiculous distances. Right. It's like the governors that are trying to make her think she's human or were taken off and now she's exactly. all this superhuman stuff. Right. Exactly. So who is that? Who is that mom? Is she just a hologram? And there's other people behind her? And what is that organization about? And this fears that the Romulans have about artificial life forms? Are these group of people behind Dodge and stuff fighting against the Romulans? Because of the Romulans have this irrational fear of artificial intelligence? Right. Um, they have a fear of artificial the, intelligence, yet they're mining a board cube instead of just destroying it. Well, yeah, but that isn't necessarily artificial intelligence. Well, the hive that, mind was. Well, that, yeah, I guess. But they're not taking the hive mind, probably. They're taking the technology. Right, sure. Um, and an interesting theory that just came to mind is, what if the people behind Dodge, who are obviously uh, roboticists, synth, very into synth people, what if they were behind the synths going rogue and destroying Mars and the shipyards because they wanted the numbers of Romulans reduced by not being able to evacuate them. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, if, that's, if these people... Picard even said that at the end. That he, oh, did he say yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember that. He said that, that Star, it could be Starfleet did it all and then she was like, why would Starfleet do that? And then he's like, they're not they're not Starfleet anymore. Yeah, that was that was mentioned in the in the episode. Uh... Or, I don't, or was that a preview? Because on Ready Room, well, they show a okay, preview so, of the next episode. So it, maybe it was in that. 
Mm, I don't okay. know. Well, well, definitely Rafi suggested 14 years ago that it was the Tal Shiar that was behind the Mars attack. And Picard definitely said, why would they blow up the ships that are meant to save them? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that... okay, so I definitely know Picard said that there was that interaction, but that was 14 yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, you're right. There's multiple mysteries going on here, but it's like if it wasn't the Tal Shiar that did try to destroy the ships because they didn't believe in the in the supernova and they thought this was all a plan, then yeah, maybe it was a Tal Shiar. But what if it was these group of people that are behind Dodge and Saj and they wanted to reduce the numbers of Romulans that are hunting them? Yeah. I don't know. What if it's lore? No, Lore's dead, right? <laughs> I thought he was disassembled. Yeah, because they used his emotion chip in Data and Generations. Yeah, I think after they the, Descent, that, that multiple series, that multiple episode right, thing, right, right, right. Uh, where he was with the Rogue Borgs, I think they were able to capture him and deactivate him and disassemble him. Right, yeah, you're right. All right, so one of the things that I liked in the episode, and I'm wondering mm-hmm. how it fits in, because the actor they picked, the Doctor that came to Picard to tell him that, you know, his physical wasn't that great and that he's, oh, he has yes, yes. what could be, uh, you know, McGregor syndrome, whatever, that, whatever it was. Exact, that he well, whatever had, that syndrome right? was, right. Uh, exactly. He doesn't come out and say that, and he just says that he's concerned about it and that, uh, you know, if you go out on a mission, it could flare up and kill you. Um, yeah. That actor, he, he's in tons of uh, TV sure. stuff. Sure. Was he ever in Star Trek The Next Generation? Uh, he probably was at one point or another, but I don't remember yeah, that. I just, was. the way they were building him up and that he was, you know, worked on the Stargazer and stuff, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, well, maybe he actually was on an episode and they brought him back as a callback because I forget who the actor is, but I think he used to be on SCTV. I mean, he's, he's been around forever. Anyways. Um, he's very recognizable. Uh, Dr. Ben Yoon or something like but that. But I really like that character the, uh, they acknowledge that possible future from a, a few good things. Well, yeah, all good things. So he had a syndrome in all good things. I don't remember the name of it. And so I agree. Uh, the idea that they're bringing that up again, the alternate future, which is what all good things was, they're tying that back to the current Picard. Yeah. And I think that's okay. great. I agree with you. I think that's great. Now, I don't know if they're going to do anything with it. but Yeah, I don't know either. So um, one of the things that they mention behind the scenes thing is that somehow this season this show ties into discovery season three so i mean with that well, little, that's little bit of knowledge i mean could the uh <clears throat> group of people that are creating the the cloned robots be from the future that discovery is now in i don't know i don't know how it's going to tie in well or is it supposed to be like a section okay so thing okay so my theory quickly because we're running out of time, uh-huh. is we're seeing the beginning of the decline of Starfleet uh, okay. and the Federation, perhaps because of, to some degree, because of Romulan agents actually in Starfleet. I don't know. It's a thousand years in the future on Discovery, right? Season three. And the Federation is no more. Right. And Starfleet is no more. Yet the shining symbol of what's what the Federation Starfleet was is hopefully going to be rekindled another better age. Because mm. right now, the age Discovery finds itself in ain't too good, from what I can tell from the uh, previews. You know, I don't think I've seen a preview for Season 3. Oh! They're out there. Huh. Yeah, go see, yeah, go see that. Uh, I s- you know, you might, they might be available on YouTube. Sure. 
But at the very least, you should be able to see probably at CBS. Oh, I'll check CBS first. Yeah. Now that I'm a subscriber to All Access, I, I should be able to have access to all that again. good stuff. Again. You are a subscriber again. Yeah, I come back when, when there's a new Star Trek, and then I can't. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So uh, the, the whole presence of uh, Short Treks really didn't make you go all year, huh? No, it did not. No. No. But now that Picard and then feeds into Discovery, which will feed into Upper Decks or Under Decks or Below Decks, uh-huh. whatever, <laughs> they, might, they might get me for a year now because they pace it out right. Yeah. yeah. Which I'm sure is what they're thinking. There you go. All right. Anything else before we cut off? It's been a two and a um, half hour. Yeah, I know. I don't like Admiral Clancy. The Vulcan? No, she's back. No. Oh, no, Admiral no. Admiral Clancy the yeah, 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 yeah. is the admiral that said of Picard, you know, ducking humorous, or hubris. Right, right. So she used the F-bomb. Yeah, which is not uh, uncommon on these CBS shows. What a potty mouth. Anyway. Okay. So uh, I, I definitely think that that evil Commodore in Starfleet, who is a, obviously a Romulan masquerading as a Vulcan... She is very scary. Right. Yeah. So if they're, if, they, if they're trying to make you scared of her and what she represents, mission accomplished. <laughs> You're scared. Uh, yeah. And then her little assassin person, that lieutenant, right. uh, who is the sister of Narek, she's scary too. So anyway. So, uh, so they're, they're good bad guys. No, they're, I, I, think, I think they're very good bad guys to have. As far as comic books go, I don't think they've announced any more Picard comic books, uh, unfortunately. Hmm. But there is going to be a novel, a uh, Star Trek Picard novel, that comes out mm-hmm. next week. So, what would you think if we did a book review and we can continue <laughs> talking about the TV series in a, in a few weeks? You know, talk about okay, where sure. the show is at that time, and we can just sure. talk about the book so that we can at least say we're doing sure. something. We just have to read uh, an entire novel. Although I think I noticed that's going to be on Audible, so I think I might go for the Audible. Right. So there you go. Don't even have to bother reading it. Well, <laughs> I don't read novels well, anymore. I just thought it was I, funny I how you, you wanted to make sure <laughs> you specified that. Oh. Okay. It was just funny. It was just funny that you were like, I don't know about reading no books. <laughs> exactly. But Audible's going to have it. So, yeah, let's <laughs> I, I read comic books, my friend. That's as far as reading books. No, I I just don't have the time. Sure. No, I get it. All right, so maybe uh, maybe we'll get this out, and then we can do a special number four, and, and we can talk about that book and where the series Sounds is great. going and, and what if we were right at all or wrong. There you go. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back uh, next week, hopefully, if we can get all of our ducks in a row with uh, some more Star Trek comics. So for whoever might be listening and stayed all this time, thanks for sticking with us, because this is a long one. And I hope you're enjoying the Picard series, because I think that this series is exactly what Star Trek needs right now, the franchise needs right now. Right. Okay. All right. Thanks, Thanks, everybody, for joining us on the review. Later. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music, stories, and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at star t comic book review at gmail.com. 
visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com, subscribe to us via iTunes, or friend us on Facebook at first name, ST Comic, second name, Book Review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.